Hello and welcome back to Band Biographies with me, Tom Austin Morgan, your host, to let you know what's been going on since the last episode and what you can expect from the next one. Band Biographies is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of music-based podcasts. Be sure to visit pantheon.com to find a whole host of different types of show on all sorts of music. It's an honour to be placed amongst such brilliant shows. Firstly, I'd like to apologise for not releasing an episode in the last two months. This was mainly because I've spent so long building my new office and have been gigging and recording with my bands that I really didn't have time to get anything done. In fact, I had to postpone a few interviews because of it all, which is not great, but is a reflection of how little time I've had. I'm hoping that now I've got the building finished and the electricity is in here now, thankfully as the nights are really drawing in, I'll have a dedicated space for recording documentaries and interviews, so normal service should resume soon. Either way, I've had some really nice comments about the Madness episode, and I know there are a few of you out there that are hungry for the second instalment. As will be made clear later, I may have to add to the script before recording it. I'm sure I'll have something for you in the early part of the new year though. I really appreciate your patience, and I especially appreciate those of you who checked in with me or left comments. But now, on to the news, and there's a lot of it because it's been two months. Hello Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Dexies, aka Dexies Midnight Runners, have cancelled their US and Canadian tour this winter for reasons they say are out of their control. It was going to be the band's first tour of North America in about 40 years. Their European shows will continue as planned, except one date. The band said in a statement, Dexies were really looking forward to playing for their North American fans, and are aware that those who bought tickets will be as disappointed by this news as we are. Refunds are available at point of purchase. Dexies hopes to return to North America as soon as they are able to. Additionally, our show at St David's Hall Cardiff, originally postponed for safety reasons due to rack in the venue, cannot be rescheduled. All options were explored to reschedule this performance, but unfortunately it just wasn't possible. Refunds will be issued promptly by the promoter. New York hardcore band Cro-Mags have cancelled their upcoming West Coast tour. Their statement reads as follows and makes no mention of the incident that happened last month, which I assume is still under investigation. Due to band scheduling conflicts and health issues, we regret to postpone our West Coast tour dates until further notice. We know several venues are close to sold out. Please know that we will be back and we will make it up to you. We apologise to our fans and we'll see your faces again soon. We appreciate all the love and support. We couldn't do it without you. Washington pop punkers MXPX have announced a string of US dates through to April of 2024, including a trio of festivals in Indonesia. Select dates are with the Ataris, Diesel Boy, Less Than Jake, Reliant K, Smoking Popes, and Five Iron Frenzy. Check their website for details of where they'll be near you. Northern Irish pop punks Cherim have announced that they will be releasing their debut album called Take It or Leave It on the 16th of February 2024. The band has also released a new song called Do It Another Day that I'll be talking about in a little while. Veteran LA punks X have announced US tour dates for their annual Christmas tour. They began on the 17th of November at Alex's Bar in Long Beach and will end up at Jam Cellars Ballroom in Napa on New Year's Eve. They'll be playing with Jerry Harrison and Adrian Bellew on their final four dates. Sick New Worlds Festival, the metal version of When We Were Young, has announced its lineup for 2024. System of a Down, Slipknot, A Perfect Circle, Alice in Chains, Bring Me the Horizon, Danny Elfman, Primus, Ginger, Sleep Token, Killing Joke, Knock Loose, Lamb of God, Nitzareb, Skindred, Static X, Wednesday 13 and Fear Factory are among the bands playing on April the 27th, 2024 at Las Vegas Festival Grounds. Zbam Fest have announced their 2024 festival lineup as well. The festival will take place in Austria and another in Germany for the first time on May the 31st and June the 1st, 2024. The festivals will include performances by Sick of It All, DFL, Satanic Surfers, Bracket, Not On Tour, and many more. UK metalers Judas Priest have announced a new album called Invisible Shield, which will be out on the 8th of March 2024. There are no more details on it yet, but I'll keep you updated. 
During a tribute show to the late Terry Hall of the specials on the 14th of October at Muzak in Los Angeles, Tim Armstrong and Jesse Michaels teamed up to play Operation Ivy's Take Warning, backed by members of the specials. Michaels and Armstrong played Op Ivy's sound system with the interrupters backing them at the Music Rock and Roll Carnival last year, fueling rumours of a reunion. However, between these two performances, they've revealed a new band called Doom Regulator, which they formed earlier this year, and whose song Raid is available on streaming platforms. At the end of September, Bandcamp, which was owned by Epic Games, was sold to SongTrader. About 50% of Bandcamp's staff was laid off, including some people that ran Bandcamp's journalism arm, Bandcamp Daily. About 60 are being let go, although in a press release, SongTrader characterised the layoffs as 50% of Bandcamp employees have accepted offers to join SongTrader. The press release did not mention that the other 50% were not offered anything at all. SongTrader later stated, of 118 employers, 60 were offered employment, 58 accepted, one is pending and one declined. Those who didn't receive offers will receive severance from Epic as part of their layoffs, as communicated on September the 28th. According to sources, Bandcamp co-founder Ethan Diamond was unaware of the sale until the night before it was announced, and has not responded to any requests for information. Meanwhile, for the past year or so, Bandcamp United, the union that represents Bandcamp employees, has been wrestling with Epic Games for a collective agreement. The union has stated that the talks will now resume with SongTrader, although it appears the union position is significantly weakened. More details have now come to light. Apparently in the layoffs, SongTrader laid off the entirety of Bandcamp United's, the union, bargaining team. According to various sources, all eight members of the bargaining team were let go. SongTrader claims that it did not know which employees were or were not part of the bargaining team. However, according to 404 Media, Bandcamp United invited SongTrader executives to a meeting prior to the layoffs. SongTrader did issue a statement to 404 Media saying, SongTrader has no access to union membership information and we executed our employment offer process with full consideration of all legal requirements. We carried out a comprehensive full company evaluation that involved a detailed examination of each role. This evaluation considered several factors such as product jobs, job functions, employee tenure, performance evaluations, the importance of roles for smooth business operations, and whether a similar function already existed at SongTrader, including our experience of running it and associated requirements. Mathematically speaking, if a company of 118 people laid off 58 employees and 8 were union members, but the company did not know which 8 were union members, the likelihood that all 8 union members would be laid off, all factors being equal, is about 0.00262%, or about one-fifth of a percent. We'll keep you updated. On the 20th of October, Dark Horse Records, the label founded by George Harrison, re-released the last album by Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. The 20th anniversary edition of Streetcore was remastered by Paul Hicks, who's worked with The Beatles, George Harrison, The Rolling Stones and John Lennon. It does not feature any of the B-sides which were sometimes paired with various versions of the album in the past. The vinyl version comes with a lyric sheet lithograph for Coma Girl, 
This reissue follows the reissue of Live at Acton Town Hall 2002, which was released earlier this year. Bostonian Celtic punks Dropkick Murphys have announced dates for their annual St Patrick's Day week shows, which will all feature Pennywise in support. On the 14th of March they'll play Citizen's House of Blues, on the 15th, 16th and 17th they'll be playing MGM Music Hall at Fenway, on the 16th they'll also be playing a daytime VIP mini-concert at the MGM Music Hall at Fenway, proceeds of which will go to the band's non-profit The Cladder Fund. Dropkick Murphys are touring the US right now. The Vandals have announced dates for their 28th annual Christmas formal shows. They will take place on the 22nd of December at the Majestic Ventura Theatre in Ventura, California, with Manic Hispanic and Rubberneck joining them, and on the 23rd of December at House of Blues Anaheim in California, with Manic Hispanic only joining them. Circle Jerks bassist Xander Sloss posted an interesting set of photos on Instagram recently showing all four of the current Circle Jerks, Keith Morris, Greg Hetson, Xander and Joey Castillo, in the recording studio. Other people appeared in the pictures including Tim Armstrong from Rancid. Sloss stated cryptically, and just like that, now this is happening. Producer Raul Kula was also there. Hetson posted click 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 on the post and Kula responded, was a blast. Importantly, the band did not state that they are recording any new material, and they didn't deny it either. They also did not state that Armstrong was anything more than a spectator at the studio. The pictures could simply be from a remastering session, though in that case why would the band pose with instruments and why would Joey C, who is not on the studio recordings, be there? The band could be putting together live recordings with overdubs, or they could just be hanging out and having fun. Well, Kula appears to have confirmed that the Circle Jerks are recording new material of some sort. He stated, When you bring legends like Keith Morris, Greg Hetson, Joey Castillo, Zander Schloss, Tim Armstrong and others into the studio, magic happens. New music from Circle Jerks is on the horizon. I've been pinching myself daily since because I never imagined I'd be in this incredible position. Circle Jerks, a band that embodied the raw essence of street culture, chaos and rebellion, have been a lifelong fascination. Hearing their stories, feeling their energies, it's a dream come true. The music they've crafted is a testament to their unique spirit. From clever drum rhythms to infectious riffs and powerful lyrics, they epitomise everything I adore about punk and bursting with pride over what we've created together. Exciting news. Punk rock supergroup Me First and the Gimme Gimmies will play some winter shows starting at the Marquee Theatre in Temple, Arizona on the 30th of November and finishing up at the UC Theatre in Berkeley, California on the 9th of December. On some dates, iconic early punker new waver Josie Cotton will open the show. Green Day have announced that they will embark on a US tour next summer with the Smashing Pumpkins, Rancid and the Linda Lindas. Frontman Billy Joe Armstrong announced the tour at their show at Fremont Country Club in Las Vegas on the 19th of October. No dates have been announced for the tour as of yet. The band also played a new song during that show called The American Dream Is Killing Me, which I'll be talking about later, as well as another called Look Ma No Brains, which they debuted on the 22nd at the When We Were Young Festival. 
After this, they announce European tour dates as well, where they'll be joined by the bands Nothing But Thieves, The Hives, Do Nots, The Interrupters and Made of Ace on select dates that begin on the 30th of May at the O Sun do Camino in Monte de Gozo, Spain, and finishes at Wembley Stadium on the 29th of June before they kick off the American leg. Descendants and Circle Jerks have announced a co-headlining tour for the US starting at the Marquee Theatre in Temple, Arizona on the 15th of March and ending at the Brooklyn Paramount in New York on the 13th of April 2024. Adolescents will be joining them on all dates. Interestingly, at the end of the listed run of dates, 2024 North American Tour appears. Could this be a wider tour of the Americas, or perhaps the beginning of a world tour? Who knows? Jeff Schroeder, guitarist for the Smashing Pumpkins, has announced that he's leaving the band. The announcement about his departure came in two statements, one from him and one from the rest of the band, which were released on Instagram. Schroeder's statement reads, It's easy to say now that when I joined the Smashing Pumpkins in 2007, I had no idea what I was getting into. The opportunity seemed to have come out of nowhere. I was at UCLA working on my doctorate in comparative literature when a close friend messaged me and said the Smashing Pumpkins were looking for a guitar player. Being a huge fan of the band, the audition was something I threw myself into. It was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. The amount of incredible memories created over the last 16 years with the band are almost too numerous to quantify. Although it was a very difficult decision to make, I've decided to leave the band to make some space to explore a slightly different path. I want to thank Billy, Jimmy, James and Jack for being both wonderful bandmates and even better friends. I will absolutely miss sharing the stage with you. I wish the band all the success in the future. The statement from Billy Corgan, Jimmy Chamberlain and James Iha reads, We thank Jeff for his ceaseless dedication to the band and our great fans. Words cannot express our gratitude and appreciation for the friend he is, and being there for Smashing Pumpkins in the good times and the tough times too. Slam Dunk Festival has announced the first wave of bands for 2024. Yumi at 6, The All-American Rejects, Boys Like Girls, We The Kings, Head Automatica, I Prevail, Funeral For A Friend, Asking Alexandria, Set It Off, Waterparks, Palais Royale, Pale Waves, Bob Villain, Rory, RTO, The Interrupters, Goldfinger, Pennywise, The Bouncing Souls, The Selector, The Skints, Mad Caddies, The Wonder Years, Mom Jeans, LS Dunes, La Dispute and One Step Closer will all be playing the festival. Slam Dunk 2024 will take place on the 25th of May at Hatfield Park and on the 26th at Leeds Temple Newsham. Canadian hardcore band Cancer Bats have announced a 2024 UK tour as their Bat Sabbath alter egos. The Black Sabbath cover band will be hitting the road on the 16th of January at Chinneries in Southend through to the 3rd of February at Chalk in Brighton. Blink-182 released a video of themselves playing Anthem Part 3, the song that opens their new album at a Denny's restaurant in Long Beach, California. The performance took place on the 26th of October and appeared on their Instagram page in a collective post with Live Nation. The band also released two added bonus tracks on their album One More Time, called Cut Me Off and See You. Blink-182 will be touring the US and Toronto in summer 2024. 
2000 Trees Festival has announced its first wave lineup for 2024. The Gaslight Anthem, Manchester Orchestra, Kids in Glass Houses, Hot Mulligan, Boston Manor, The Excerpts, The Mysterines, Gouge Away, Lambrini Girls, The Menstrual Cramps, Pet Needs and many more will be playing. 2000 Trees will take place at Upcoke Farm in Cheltenham on July the 10th to the 13th, 2024. Derbyshire-based music festival Bearded Theory has announced its first wave lineup for 2024 as well. Amil and the Sniffers, Sleaford Mods, Dinosaur Junior, Bob Villain, Jane's Addiction, Wargasm, The Mefs, Barstool Preachers, Orbital, New Model Army, Punk Rock Factory, Beans on Toast, Ronnie Size, The Orb, 808 State, Utah Saints, Sponge, Sonic Boom 6 and Ed Tudor Pole are among the bands announced. Bearded Theory will take place on May 23rd to 26th at Catton Hall in Derbyshire. Bikini Kill have announced their first ever shows in Mexico and South America next March. The five shows will take place on the 3rd at Pabellón Oeste in Mexico City, the 5th at Audio Sao Paulo, Brazil, the 7th at Blondie in Santiago, Chile, the 9th at C Compleo Art Media in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and the 12th at Teatro Leguia in Lima, Peru. Download Festival has also announced its lineup for 2024. Fallout Boy, Avenge Sevenfold, The Offspring, Sum 41, which will be their final UK festival, Billy Talent, The Used, Bowling for Soup, The Black Dahlia Murder, Queens of the Stone Age, Avenged Sevenfold, Royal Blood, Machine Head, Pantera, Corey Taylor, Biohazard, Fear Factory, Huberstank and many more are among the bands playing. Download Festival will take place on June the 14th to 16th at Donington Park. Flogging Molly have announced details for their first Shamrock Rebellion Festival. The festival is broken into two shows, one on the 16th of March at Oak Canyon Park in Southern California and one on the 17th of March at Downtown Las Vegas Event Center in Las Vegas. Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls, Buzzcocks, Face to Face, Amigo the Devil, No Bro and Jen and the Degenerates will be playing on both dates along with Flogging Molly of course. More bands will be announced in the coming weeks. Craft beer tasting will also be part of the event. Before these dates, Flogging Molly, Amigo the Devil and Jen and the Degenerates will be touring the US in February and March. Essex's The Mefs have announced European dates for the beginning of 2024, starting in Hafenklang in Hamburg, Germany on the 31st of January and finishing at Zack in Dusseldorf, Germany on the 2nd of March. On select dates, they will be supporting the amazing ska band Buster Shuffle. NoFX have announced their final European, US and Canadian tour dates, though the guests for these shows have yet to be announced. The European shows will take place between the 11th of May at Caraponte in Milan, Italy and end with two nights at Zitadel Spandau in Berlin, Germany on the 8th and 9th of June. Then they cross the Atlantic for two nights in Portland, Oregon on the 29th and 30th of June and ends with three nights in LA on the 4th, 5th and 6th of October, which will be the band's very last shows ever. I still can't quite get my head around no effects not being a band anymore. When We Were Young Fest has announced its lineup for 2024. The focus of the festival this year, or should I say next year, will be bands performing albums in full, 
except for headliners Fallout Boy, who will be performing a career-spanning set. My Chemical Romance will be playing All of the Black Parade, Jimmy Eat World will be performing Bleed American, The Distillers will be playing All of Coral Fang, Newfound Glory will play Sticks and Stones, The Used will be playing In Love and Death, The Starting Line will be playing Say It Like You Mean It. The full lineup and albums they will be playing is available on the website. When We Were Young will take place on October the 19th at Las Vegas Festival Grounds in Las Vegas. Peter Hook and The Light have announced tour dates for North America, the UK and Ireland for 2024, starting at History in Toronto, Canada on the 31st of August and ending at Leisureland in Galway, Ireland on the 16th of November. The band will be playing both Joy Division albums and Substance by New Order in full at all of these shows, so it's definitely worth getting along. Bowling for Soup have announced four Canadian tour dates in Ontario and Quebec in April 2024, with the Anti-Queens and Rival Town joining them on all dates. Discord Records has announced the release of an archival minor threat release in early December. The release will feature three tracks that were recorded at the end of the Out of Step sessions. The unreleased tracks are In My Eyes, Filler and Adam's Family, a part of which was used as the coder for cashing in. The other two tracks are re-recorded versions of earlier songs, tracked with a five-piece version of Minor Threat. Bikini Kill have announced tour dates for the UK and Europe for June 2024, starting on the 2nd of June at Grand Park in Bordeaux, France, and ending on the 16th of June at The Crossing in Birmingham, UK. Ruhrport Rodeo 2024 is being held between the 5th and 7th of July in Hunks, Germany, Bands playing include Bad Religion, Suicidal Tendencies, Millencolin, Toy Dolls, Fear, The Casualties, and many more. Founding member of Blondie Chris Stein is releasing a memoir called Under a Rock, which will be out on the 11th of June 2024 via St Martin's Press. The book covers Stein's early years, the rise of the band, and at least some of the band's many collapses. Debbie Harry has written the foreword. The Damned have announced that their original drummer Rat Scabies is now back in the band for tours, festivals and more in 2024. Scabies replaces Will Taylor who drummed for the band for a short time following the departure of the previous drummer Pinch who drummed with them from 1999 to 2019. Scabies played with The Damned earlier this year when the original lineup did a stint of UK shows. The Damned will be touring the UK next December playing songs from the Black Album and Strawberries because the lineup now matches the contributors to those albums and some other hits. Spanish music festival Road to Rio Babel has announced its lineup for 2024. Green Day, The Hives, The Interrupters, Lagwagon, Maid of Ace and more will be playing on the 1st of June at Baja Magica, Madrid. The Rolling Stones will tour the USA in the summer of 2024. The 16-date tour hits both coasts, kicking off on the 28th of April in Houston, Texas, and running through to the 17th of July at Santa Clara, California. The best thing about this announcement is that the tour is sponsored by AARP, or the American Association of Retired Persons. Shane McGowan, ex-frontman of The Pogues, is in hospital after being diagnosed with viral encephalitis, a rare and potentially life-threatening condition that causes the brain to swell last December. 
Apparently, he's been in hospital for months, and he's been visited by friends, family and former bandmates, but hopes are he'll be discharged by Christmas. He's wishing Shane the best of health. And now we're into the single and EP reviews. I found out about Millie Manders and the Shut Up when my bandmates Ant and Corky came back from Slam Dunk last year and they said the band was worth a look. And they are if you're into female-led pop-punk bands, which I am. The new single, Shut Your Mouth, shows more of a hip-hop influence in the verses, but also extends to a beat-scratching middle-eight that sounds right out of early noughties pop-punk and new metal. It's got an infectious energy in chorus, although I don't think it's the best thing the band has put out so far. Long-time alt-rockers Feeder are coming back with a new album which will be released on the 5th of April 2024. Ahead of this they've released two songs on the same day as what would have been a double A-side in Old Money. Elf is a reverb-drenched anthemic song that seems to be a call to action on the climate crisis but it's also going to sound huge in large rooms and arenas that I'm sure they'll be playing next year. Playing With Fire has a much more old-school grungy sound mixed with some Queens of the Stone Age style keyboards and I always like it when Feeder return to that particular grunge well. This band has seemingly jettisoned any ideas about creating pop chart bothering bangers and have gone in more experimental directions in recent years and I'm here for it. Northern Irish pop-punkers Cherum have released a new song, Do It Another Day, which is another sugary pop banger with a brilliantly catchy chorus. I love this band so much. An added bonus is that the single is available with the brilliant Taking Up Sports, which has been one of my songs of the year. Give him a listen. Frank Turner's backing band has released a fourth single before their debut album drops on the 24th of November. This song is called Weathering the Storm and is a more laid-back yet thematically apocalyptic offering from a band that seems to have a lot of depth and breadth in its songwriting. The album will be an interesting listen, I'm sure. Southern California band Bad Cop Bad Cop have released another standalone single called Safe and Legal, which is about women's rights and their autonomy over reproductive rights, which is a mad thing to have to write a song about in 2023, but here we are. I really love this band and I'm hoping the two singles this year means a new album soon. Bristolian Punk's Idols have announced that they will be releasing a new album called Tang, T-A-N-G-K, which will be out on the 16th of February via Partizan Records. Ahead of this, on the 18th of October, they released a new song called Dancer, which features vocals from James Murphy and Nancy Wang of LCD Sound System. It's a typically dark-sounding affair, but rather than exploding in a rage-filled cacophony, it's about the hedonism and sexuality of dancing. I like it when bands take an interesting left turn, and this is certainly that. It'll be interesting to see what the rest of the album sounds like when it's released. Chicago emo punks Alkaline Trio have announced that they will be releasing a new album. It's called Blood, Hair and Eyeballs and will be out on the 26th of January. Ahead of its release, they've put out the title track, and it's a perfect slice of Alkaline Trio's particular brand of goth-infused pop-punk, full of anger, nightmares and self-loathing, put to a jaunty pop-punk melody. Blink-182's loss of Matt Skiba is certainly Alkaline Trio's gain. 
On the 20th of October, Sleaford Mods released the More UK Grim EP, which includes six tracks, one of which is a remix of the second track, Old Knots. The other tracks on the album are Under the Rules, the previously released Big Farmer, P.O. Crazy, and My 18 Hour Gurgle. These were all recorded at the same time as the UK Grim album that dropped earlier in the year, and continue with the same themes with a mix of insight and wit, outrage and compassion. They critique and celebrate our turbulent times. Jason Williams has said of the songs, Big Farmer was written in the opening chapters of autumn 2022 when Covid kicked in again. It carries a lot of the normal Sleaford mods absurdism, but also looks at the ongoing fascination with trying to find truths in information wholly pushed by very questionable people. Old Knots carries on from tunes like DIY and centres more on local resentment for Sleaford mods and my own perceived helpless fall into material conformity. Under the Rules carries some of this sentiment, while the title of My 18 Hour Girdle was taken from an old advert for women's girdles, and it looks at how male identity, though hard pressed currently under this cloud of alpha male dominance, is changing. P.O. Crazy is a mesh of absurdist political one-liners and daft shit. Basically, enjoy. Also on the 21st of November, Sleaford Mods released another four-track EP which was a pretty faithful version of the Pet Shop Boys' West End Girls. The other three tracks are remixes, one of which is by Pet Shop Boys themselves, which is a great endorsement for Sleaford Mods. In January, Green Day will be releasing their 14th studio album, Saviors. Ahead of this, in October and November, they released two singles, The American Dream Is Killing Me and Look Ma No Brains the former of which opens up with a Celtic punk guitar riff, which sounds like it could be off a Stiff Little Fingers song, which is no surprise because Green Day have trod this path before. And it's certainly one of the catchiest songs the East Bay Trio have released in ages. Look Ma No Brains is a typically high octane number which bodes well for the album as a whole. I've never been Green Day's biggest fan, but these songs are undeniably brilliant. I really must be going soft in my old age. Speaking of which, Norwegian pop siren Sigrid may not be an artist you'd expect me to feature on here, but if you've been listening for a while, you know I love a bit of sugary pop music. Sigrid released the Hype EP on the 27th of October, and it hits genres such as synth pop, country pop, and folk pop, and all these songs will sound great at family-friendly festivals this summer. The songs are The Hype, Borderline, Ghost, and Wanted To Be You and are all about the typical pop musings like love, messing up, moving on, maybe not moving on as much as you thought, and trying it all again. Grime punk duo Bob Villain have announced that they will be releasing their third album called Humble As The Sun on the 5th of April. The band said on Instagram, what started as a handful of conversations with the sun, you know, that big ball of fire in the sky, grew into an album that I cannot wait to share with you all. Ahead of this, they've released two singles, He's a Man, which is a punky banger about toxic masculinity, and Dream Big, which lulls you into a false sense of security with its dreamy opening, but quickly gets into social issues and life on the streets in London in a gritty way. Grade 2 have released a song called Nevada, which is part of the Hellcats Records Singles Club. It came out of their recording sessions for their self-titled album earlier this year and was co-produced by Tim Armstrong and TJ Riviera. 
You can hear that it's from that recording session as well, because it's got such a familiar feeling. So it's essentially a B-side, but it shows that there really were no duds that came out of that session. I love that band. The Beatles, or the legal entity that represents the Beatles' intellectual property, have released their final song. The track's called Now and Then, and you can't have missed it in the last month, surely. The track was created by having AI separate John Lennon's voice from surrounding instruments taken from a late 70s non-Beatles demo. George Harrison's guitar parts recorded for this project in the 90s were then added. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr re-recorded their parts more recently. The song is released as a single in numerous formats and will also be part of the re-release of the Beatles Blue and Red compilation albums. At first I wasn't sure about it, especially hearing young John Lennon's voice alongside modern day old Paul McCartney, whose voice hasn't aged all that well, in my opinion. But the more I've listened to it and having watched the making of documentary, the more it's got under my skin. It's got a real mix of classic Beatles sounds, but with much more modern arrangement and orchestration. What I don't like is the video. It's utterly bizarre, especially the John Lennon bits. But even this car crash is saved by the very final moments where pictures of the Beatles going back through time to all of them as young boys really stirred something in me. It's powerful stuff. On the 2nd of November, LA blues rock duo Deep Valley released a standalone single, Ventilator Blues, which is a typical slice of scuzzed up guitar with pummeling drums, over which Lindsay and Julie drawl, warble and scream. If you know about Deep Valley, you'll love it. Will it win them fans on its own? I don't know. But they're a powerful live band and I urge you to seek them out if they're playing near you anytime soon. On the 3rd of November, Australian drum and bass legends Pendulum released the four-track Anima EP, which features three previously released tracks, Halo featuring Bullet For My Valentine, which is a continuation of their work with acts like In Flames in the past, Colourfast, which is a bit more blissed out yet still frenetic, and Mercy Killing featuring Scarlord, whose vocals make the track sound as far away from the well-trodden path that Pendulum has stuck to for their entire career though the instrumentation is still pretty standard pendulum mix of drum and bass and metal, but with a slight trap edge in the breakdown. The fourth track is called Silent Spinner and brings back the Spanish horns that they introduced years ago on In Silico, but then drops away to a more brooding track that actually is different to almost anything they've put out before. I'm just not convinced it's particularly strong. Either way, I like Pendulum and they always put on a great live show, if you're lucky enough to be at any of their UK arena shows in the new year, you're going to have a great time. I don't think I've ever sweated and had more of a workout than flailing myself around at their gigs. Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes have released the second single, Brambles, off their upcoming album, Dark Rainbow, and it's a mid-paced, twisted love song that feels like it's slithering along, lurking in the shadows. I'm always looking forward to new Rattlesnakes material. Only two more months until the album's release. And speaking of albums, the first album by The Streets since 2011's Computers and Blues is called The Darker the Shadow, The Brighter the Light, containing 15 tracks and was released on the 13th of October, along with an accompanying feature-length film of the same name, 
a club-centred murder mystery that Mike Skinner also created and starred in, which he described as a nightmare and an obsession. This is great because Skinner has always been brilliant at creating a narrative that you can really visualise. The album itself is an ode to club culture celebrating Skinner's lifestyle of playing in dark, sweaty rooms with throbbing sound systems. It lurches between synth-heavy trap on tracks like Too Much Yayo and Someone Else's Tune and thumping bass lines on Not A Good Idea and Troubled Waters. It's an eclectic-sounding album entrenched with a sense of his lived experience. Skinner's voice is typically understated and talkative throughout, apart from the odd underwhelming attempt at auto-tuned singing. He's mastered the skill of penning genuinely funny lyrics that expertly communicate time and place. Hooks like, The walk of shame is my daily commute to capture the relentless glare of the morning after a night out, while on Shake Hands with Shadows, he says, shake hands with shadows an hour before dawn, you'll make plans with morons, you're powerless to misfortune. Celebrating those special doomed friendships that are forged in the early hours, while he deadpans the line, behind every great man a girl rolls her eyes on funny dream. While the dark of the shadow is ambitious and is packed with witty insightful commentary on the human experience, it ultimately lacks the punch of his earlier albums, especially his epic concept album, A Grand Don't Come For Free. But it really is worth a listen. The 13th of October was a busy day. On the same day, emo pop singer-songwriter Holly Humberston released her first full-length album of new material, Paint My Bedroom Black, which perfectly combines lyrical navel-gazing with expertly crafted choruses. Humberstone is another artist like Mike Skinner, whose lyrics conjure up feelings, emotions and visuals of exactly what she's singing about. On the songs, she wrestles with all the conflicting sides of herself, the extrovert and the introvert, the Gen Z pop star and the chronic doom scroller who can't text her friends back. These cinematic vignettes make for the album's most intoxicating moments, whether it's falling in love on the woozy slow dance of kissing in swimming pools, or two lovers looking at the same sky on the David collaboration Super Blood Moon. A standout track is Flatlining, which at one point turns into an electro-pop song, which, alongside a few other unexpected or seemingly out-of-character moments, may hint to new musical directions on future releases. It's not really punk either, but Holly Humberston is certainly a talented songwriter and deserves to be listened to by more people. Another release on that same day is by punk band Mondo Generator, the band fronted by former Queens of the Stone Age and Dwarves Hellraiser Nick Oliveri, who released their eighth studio album, We Stand Against You, which is sure to wake you up after the last two albums I've just talked about. Oliveri's trademark howls are backed with heavy, distorted punk grooves and D-beats, all with a definite stoner vibe thrown in. The subjects raised on the record certainly don't hold back and spare no one. Oliveri has said of the record, Some of the songs are reflecting my personal thoughts and some songs are about family and close friends dying or committing suicide. This is an album of fire, fury and angst, and gives you all those feelings while listening to the sometimes totally unhinged arrangements and guttural vocals, which to be fair, are exhausting to listen to for more than the 23 minute runtime of this album. It's probably not one I'll be returning to unless I'm utterly pissed off and want to knock down a building with nothing but a sledgehammer, for example. But in that situation, this will be the perfect album. 
Essex Scar duo Death of Guitar Pop released their fourth album, Be Lucky, also on the 13th of October, which starts off in typically skank-worthy fashion, with the four previously released singles in the first five tracks, before it chills out a bit for a couple of nostalgic-feeling songs about longing and love with Leaving for London and Do You Remember What I Told You Last Night, before moving into the Chaz and Dave-esque Down at My Local Cafe. All of the songs are bright and jaunty and comment on little slices of life like the bloke at the end of the bar who's always there telling outrageous stories to wanting the receptionist at the local holiday park who looked after you when you got lost to be your new mum. These guys mash up Scar mixed with indie and pop sensibilities with ease. The deluxe edition of Be Lucky also features four acoustic versions of previously released hits, Four Pound Cinema, Song About My Bird, I Don't Believe in Magic Anymore, and 69 Candy Street, which are great additions to a decent album. Again on the 13th of October, the London feminist witch punks Dream Nails released their second album, Doom Loop, the first with new singer Ishmael Kirby, who replaced Jane Starling a couple of years ago. Clocking in at just over 30 minutes, Doomloop is a vibrant mix of raw punk power and introspective lyrics, which delve into patriarchal systems, social inequality, and what it's like being part of the LGBTQ community in a time of unjust political scrutiny. They tackle these issues with unapologetic honesty, encouraging listeners to confront their own emotions and experiences. Each track tells a story in its own way, all of which boils down to the frustration the band feel at the hate and prejudice towards individuals who are simply trying to exist. There are many moments of social commentary told in Dreamnail's unique way that stand out, but perhaps two highlights would be Geraniums, an anthemic punk track that seemingly tells a story about someone coming to terms with their gender identity, and Sometimes I Do Get Lonely, yeah, a funk rock track that uses spoken word to call out double standards, and the weird argument of minorities apparently being privileged when evidence shows the exact opposite. But it's the closing track, Time Ain't No Healer, that really surprises being as it is a tender, piano-led number that pulls you close and caresses you at the end of an album of righteously aggressive punk bangers. Great stuff. Yet another album released on the 13th of October, is it any wonder that I didn't release an episode last month? is from friend of the show Laurie Black, who has released her first foray into releasing music as a purely musical endeavour. The result is angst music, a lot of the tracks you might recognise if, like me, you saw her support Adam Ant last year. It's essentially synth rock mixed with industrial Nine Inch Nails style arrangements, whose lyrics all drip with satirical venom. From the opening track, Content Warning, which throws a light on the debilitating effect that feeling like you have to constantly create content has had on her mental health, to the more playful Space Junk, which is about the current space race between tech billionaires in their rockets shaped like dicks that are clearly trying to fuck us all. Any of you who heard Laurie on the podcast last year will understand her sense of humour and unique style, and now you can hear the results of her journey since being on the road with Adam Ant. Angst Music is a unique sounding album that is an atmospheric journey through a black mirror held up against certain aspects of today's society. It's well worth a listen. Finally, an album that wasn't released on the 13th of October. Rock and roll legends The Rolling Stones released Hackney Diamonds on the 20th, 
The band's 24th UK and 26th US studio album is also their first album of original material since 2005. I'm not a huge fan of The Stones, but I was pleasantly surprised by the lead single Angry. I thought it just had to be a parody, but of course it wasn't. Then I was bowled over by the second single, Sweet Sound of Heaven, featuring Lady Gaga and Stevie Wonder. What I wasn't prepared for when I listened to the whole album was how young this band of guys in their 70s and 80s sounds. I mean, Bite My Head Off is almost a punk song. Whole Wide World could be from the New Wave era if it weren't for Jagger's distinctive voice, that is. The album as a whole is okay, it's not really my cup of tea, but you've got to hand it to them for carrying on when they could, and largely have, stuck to the greatest hits and blues covers. What I will say is that I think getting in producer Andrew Watt rather than someone like Rick Rubin is a bit of a mistake, especially bearing in mind it's not been long since the death of drummer Charlie Watts. It would have been really interesting to hear if Rubin could have done with the Stones what he did with Johnny Cash at the beginning of the century, and done a real back-to-basics album where the group actually sound their age and sing the blues for their departed friend. But then, maybe I'm missing the point of the Rolling Stones here. Admittedly, Dreamy Skies, Sweet Sounds of Heaven and Rolling Stone Blues do give a hint of this, but I feel like they could have been handled better with someone less poppy on production duty. Also on the 20th of October, newly reunited Californian pop-punkers Blink-182 released their ninth studio album, One More Time, which really does focus on something the band has been trying to get their heads around since almost its inception, ageing. At times on this album it feels like they're writing songs from an adult perspective looking back, and at others it feels more like they're trying to sound like they're still teenagers, which sometimes comes across as a bit cringy. This is also probably down to the number of extra writers on each track that aren't members of the band. Right off the bat, album opener Anthem Part 3 scratches the nostalgic itch by calling back to Blink-182's angsty 2001 tune Anthem Part 2. Over twinkling guitar chords and the staccato snap of Barker's drums, DeLong and Hoppus ferociously proclaim I'm on fire before vowing my old shit ends here tonight a mature declaration to set aside past fuck-ups and put old band drama in the rear view. Hoppus' recent battle with cancer is omnipresent on One More Time. The bassist was forced to face his own mortality, and so were his bandmates. The title track tugs at the heartstrings as the band poses tough questions. Do I have to die to hear you miss me? Do I have to die to hear you say goodbye? Similarly, on the rattling, you don't know what you got, Blink sing about feeling grateful for their friend's survival. Hopper screams in the song's explosive bridge, I took you all for granted, you can write my epilogue. The standout track for me is the title track, which is a stripped back number that directly references Mark's battle with cancer, Travis surviving a plane crash, and putting aside all their various misgivings to get back together and do this one more time. It even has a blatant nod to their massive single I Miss You, which may or may not work for you depending on how you feel about it. The album One More Time adds a newfound emotional weight and existential maturity to the band's back catalogue that's often mostly associated with juvenile fun and toilet humour. It's much better than it has any right to be, and possibly points to a new era for them. I hope so. Just in time for Halloween, British new romantic pioneers Duran Duran released an album of spooky-themed covers and originals called Dance Macabre on the 27th of October. 
The album includes covers of Billie Eilish's Bury a Friend, Ghost Town by The Specials, Paint It Black by The Rolling Stones, Spellbound by Susie and the Banshees, Psycho Killer by Talking Heads, and a reworked version of Rick James's Super Freak, which includes segments of their song Lonely in Your Nightmare, as well as their own songs Night Boat, Secret October, and Love Voodoo. New songs on the album include the absolutely brilliant Black Moonlight and the god-awful title track that Simon Le Bon felt the need to rap on. Yuck. Other misses include Bury a Friend, which somehow sounds less creepy than the original, like it's been reworked for an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical or something. Similarly, Ghost Town sounds less oppressive and more glittery than the original as well. However, Paint It Black sounds a bit more like a Halloweened up version of the Stones classic, and they do a good job with Spellbound and Psycho Killer. All in all, more treat than trick, but not a complete success. Also on the 27th, New Jersey folk rockers The Gaslight Anthem released History Books, their sixth studio album, and first after a nine-year hiatus. And the band have delved back into their classic Springsteen-esque mould as if they never left. In fact, the boss turns up on track two, the album's title track, to rubber stamp the effort. Similar to Blink-182, one thing that has changed during the Gaslight Anthem's absence is that the group members all passed 40 years old, and it suits them. If the early Gaslight Anthem albums were concerned with fear of getting older and a fear of not living that long, on history books they grapple with the prospect that middle age is at once more and less terrifying than their 20 and 30-something selves imagined. But for all the rueful, wistful middle-aged preoccupations of history books, its two most emblematic tracks, Little Fires and Positive Charge, catch the band at their most glorious and furious. On the former, Fallon offers amends to someone he once knew. You were young and beautiful and I was dumb and beautiful. On the latter, he looks for that balance between what he doesn't miss, like I was dressing up for a coffin to lie down in, and what he'd like back, plug it into my veins and make me love this life again. Both songs, like history books as a whole, capture that perspective on youth, which is a mixed blessing, the man returning with the boy he once was and being unsure whether he most wants to hug him or slap him. History Books is a soul-searching, redemptive and worthy return for the New Jersey rockers. Fast-forwarding somewhat and taking a total left turn, I give you drum and bass ruffians Chase and Status, who release their seventh studio album, Too Rough Volume 1, which comes in with a massive-sounding selector, featuring the vocal talents of Stefflon Don, and it doesn't let up at all from there. This album is grimy and nasty, with breakbeats that never rest and electronics that consistently sound immense. Second track, Liquor and Cigarettes, has Brighton rapper RD promising you're about to have the best night of your life before another chainsaw bassline hoves into view. The song On The Block could solve the UK's energy crisis all on its own if played loud enough, I'm sure. Massive and Crew sounds harsh and metallic, an attack on the senses on an industrial scale. Too Rough Volume 1 clearly isn't intended for the pop charts or daytime radio. It isn't even classified by Chase and Status as an album, rather it's a mixtape. And actually, the way the tracks sit together does feel slightly disjointed. But these overpowering songs belong somewhere dark, with your personal space invaded, where they sound nasty, but nice. 
<clears throat> on the 17th of November, and coincidentally right in the middle of my madness documentaries, the veteran Scarth pop band released its 13th studio album, The Theatre of the Absurd Presents Cell V, which is a concept album akin to Sgt Pepper's. No, I haven't lost my mind. This album, as is obvious by the title, has a theatrical concept that runs throughout, and the opening few tracks feature performers getting ready to go on stage, full orchestral backing for the first track proper, Theatre of the Absurd. This is madness at their brash music hall best. It's full-on prog. As followers of warped British humorists including Max Wall, Spike Milligan and Tommy Cooper, Madness have been a mirth-bringing all-ages part of the pop furniture since 1979, but they've also long acknowledged the less cuddly connotations of their name, with depression, awry family dynamics, alcohol abuse and other traumas present in their lorry load of hits. It is in this theme that the album explores, in their trademark nutty style, political mistrust, Covid, selling off the country and fast eroding trust in institutions. The song In My Street, you'd imagine, might cross over into poignant yet warm our house territory. Instead, it ghoulishly depicts a populace that's drugged, drunk, surrounded by rubbish and looking for an exit sign, before looking haplessly for God to sort it out on the track Judgment Day. It's astonishing to me that a band that so many people write off as a two-dimensional, fun, knees-up pop band are writing the best, most challenging music of their career as they get further away from their 80s heyday. If you haven't given this one a spin yet, you really need to give your head a wobble. It's incredible. And now for the next episode. And sorry, it's not going to be the second part of the Madness documentary. I was sent a book by author and technologist Pete Trainer about a little-known British band called Electricy that has a truly mad story and ties in with the rise of the MP3, file sharing and the collapse of the traditional music industry, which scuppered their chances of pop stardom not once, but twice. It's an incredible story and Pete's a really interesting guy, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the chat and may even find a new band to love. As I've said before, I have a dedicated space to work in now that's actually comfortable rather than the slowly rotting shed I used to occasionally record in when the weather was warm enough. I'm going to get back on it, as well as recording the second half of the Madness documentary, also alongside working my arse off and hopefully putting some finishing touches to the new High Frequency album. So I'm going to go and get on with that right now. Please do get in touch about the music you're listening to, whether you've got differing opinions on the songs and albums I've talked about today, or just for a general chat on all the social media platforms or the email address that's included in the show notes. Until next time then, take good care of yourselves, pick someone up if they fall down, and see you in the pit. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 